Spags, are we going to uncover some deep sleepers for the people today? Look, anybody out there, Pete, they could talk about Justin Jefferson. They could talk about these guys everybody knows about. Today, we're digging in on the guys with an ADP of 200 or more in underdog and telling you which ones we actually want to draft. We're also going to hop into a best ball mania draft. $10 million still up top there. Lord knows we got to max it out. So let's do it right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spags, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, you recently had a salad. Are you feeling like your brain function is high thanks to that leafy goodness in your life? We're still eating the salad here. Uh, A busy day as usual. I logged in and see uh, someone already asking me about Brees Hall. Why like Brees so much with poor Jets offensive line? I actually don't know where you're getting this. I pulled up Brandon Thorne, who does the offensive line rankings for ETR. He has Jets as a top 10 offensive line. So I actually don't know where um, that's necessarily coming from. He just released this uh, a couple days ago. So top 10. So yeah, I don't think we should be docking uh, the Jets for offensive line. He actually has the Steelers with the worst offensive line in the league. So probably a concern for Najee there um, if we're doing offensive line talk right after the jump. Oh, yeah, the big offensive line talk. And if you want to get some offensive line talk in your life, go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. The data packages are on there. A new homepage update, actually, on footballoutsiders.com today. That took a lot of work on the back end. So go check it out and subscribe on there. Check the data. We have a new data page as well, explaining some of the data points that we uh, curate ourselves on Football Outsiders, including one for offensive line stats, the adjusted line yards. So embrace debate for yourself the Football Outsiders data page that you can find on the footballoutsiders.com homepage. And Pete, of course, people should be following you at Peter Rovers at following me at Chris Spags and following at Splash Play Pod, as well as subscribing to the Splash Play channel because the show will be exclusively there starting with NFL Week 1. And Pete, we got a very important NFL Week 1 news item right before the show, or I guess a couple hours before the show. Baker Mayfield officially starting for the Panthers Week 1 against the Browns. An underdog currently going at a 194 ADP. I don't think we've drafted a lot of Baker. Also, Matt Corral, the rookie for the Panthers. Panthers foot injury going to be out for the year, it looks like. So Baker Mayfield's job is probably about as safe, Pete, as it's ever been. Is he somebody we've been sleeping on too long, given that we are drafting DJ Moore, drafting Robbie Anderson, drafting Christian McCaffrey, and Baker's gone completely silent? Speak for yourself, drafting Robbie Anderson. I don't draft Robbie Anderson. Um, Bob, our former mascot. I know, he was. Every time we have like a reference to something uh, deep on the show, I'm always like, Have we been doing the show this long? It feels so long ago since uh, Splash Play Bob was our mascot. Um, Splash Play Rocket Ismail back in the first season (laughs) of Splash Play. Well, every time you reference the Playmakers rewatch, it, I, I feel like I'm 65 years old. I'm like, how long ago was that? It was only a year ago. Like, time flies when you're not having fun doing the show with me. (laughs) Imagine, imagine doing a Playmakers rewatch instead of just drafting best ball teams, knowing that's all anyone wants. <laughs> Honestly, would be a pretty good bit for us. But uh, Baker Mayfield, you so what's your exposure to Baker then? Because I don't think I've got more than five percent. I don't know offhand. I have to update my brick caddy, but I got to think that I am under five, probably under three. I just looked. I'm at two percent. Um, okay. I'm way under there. Yeah, because again, he falls in that territory where he would definitely be. I think I've you know taken him in a couple three QB builds. But generally with those third QBs, I've been going higher upside. And my sneaky thing is I actually don't have as much DJ Moore as I'd like. Well, I guess I'm fine. I'm at 14%. um, So I haven't ended up with a ton of him. And that was, 
you know, it just ends up being like a construction thing where I do a lot of two QB builds or when I am doing that third QB, I'm tacking on a Ritter type or someone that has, I think, a little more upside. I think Baker's fine. He just doesn't feel like a league winning type smash pick to me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a fair way to look at it. I wouldn't mind getting a few more shares of the double stack, but I certainly get why uh, people would be a little bit reluctant to go there. Other QB news, Tom Brady officially showed up to Bucks camp. Apparently the personal issues after all the rumor mongering out there was just him wanting to go to Bahamas with his family. Um, He's back now, but as he comes back, Pete, another Buck, Bucks offensive lineman, Aaron Stinney, of course, our favorite box, uh, Bucks offensive lineman, as we talk about in our offensive line rankings all the time. Um, He goes down for the year. I still feel like Pete, I'm glad Tom Brady's back. If you weren't drafting him because you were afraid he would never show up again he's back in camp he's practicing all of that but i still feel like the bucks stuff i worry about them this year i just think there's enough bad signs enough desperation signings of veterans to try to prop things up the new head coach switch i feel like i don't want to be out on the bucks and be completely wrong but i think there's bad things coming for them do you feel like my overbroad <laughs> diagnosis of the bucks is accurate um i don't know i mean the whole thing with the offensive line stuff right is if I think it's worse for younger, inexperienced QBs. We've seen Tom Brady, even with some bad offensive lines in New England, get the ball out super quickly. Uh, they have two awesome pass-catching backs on the roster and Fournette and the rookie Rashad White. Lots of underneath options with Godwin. So I, I don't know. I'm not too concerned about it, but that might just be the fantasy player in me sticking my head in the sand about offensive line concerns. So speaking of fantasy player and you, I'm actually curious your thoughts on this one because you did do a draft on Saturday after Khalil Herbert was carted off at practice, then was back playing as though he had nothing wrong with him on Sunday, uh, practicing again with the Bucks. You drafted him with Brick on a special Lowell Saturday night stream in the Big Dog draft, and you talked about it being a flash sale injury. I'm curious just your game theory on the stuff. Like, how do you approach that? Because when I saw carted off, as I've talked about on the show, I've got about 25% Khalil Herbert in the uh, Best Ball Mania 3 right now in underdog. I was sweating it out. I was checking for news updates. Thankfully, you saw him the next day that he was back and out playing. But like, what are you doing in those drafts? Are you just saying like, hey, if I draft him now and he ends up being completely fine, I'm gaining a lot of expected value on it? Or are you playing cautious with some injuries, not with others? Like, what do you do in that scenario? Well, I think in general, too, I just... When we have these teams, and yes, it was a $250 draft, so it's more than usual, but it, it's always the same analogy that we talk about with poker, right? Like, you can't play safe. You bought into the tournament. These are your chips, and you're going to use them as ammo to give yourself the best possible chance to win first place. And I think we're constantly trying to ways to, to find ways to, like, protect our downside risk in this stuff. And so that actually seemed like a very interesting spot for me where we had Justin Fields on the team. We were in a zero or an anchor RB build where we needed running backs. And then the reporting on the Khalil Herbert stuff seemed very vague. You know, normally when there's stuff like this, like when the Tim Patrick happened, there was all these reporters. They're like, oh, he went down with a non-contact injury or whatever. There was all this detail around it. And it was Herbert. It was just like one guy was like, oh, he left practice on the cart. And there was nothing about it. So it just seemed weird and suspicious to me. And someone in the chat had brought up a comment that certain teams have their medical tents pretty far away from where they practice. And so in that sense, it makes sense too. Sometimes maybe you're a little banged up, cramps, whatever it is. So they they bring the cart in the same way old people who are lazy get in a golf cart to drive down to the beach instead of walking there. So I took a risk there. Uh, we got him at like pick 178. I think his ADP was at 150 at the time. So it worked out. It definitely could have burned us too, but it goes back to that idea of not playing scared. It's like, so what? If he's out, we're probably not winning that tournament anyways. Why not, you know, get this window where you're going to get Khalil Herbert at a three round discount compared to anyone else drafting in that contest? 
Yeah, so anybody who did just see the Saturday alert, he was back at practice looking, I think, completely normal. Didn't I, I don't think anything came out about what even happened to him, right? Like, it might have just been that he was a little bit far away and they didn't want to risk him hurting himself walking. I thought I heard cramps, but it might have been oh, okay. might have been something else. Yeah, yeah, they definitely got to be cautious with cramps. So you get it. But yeah, I think I think your point there is really sound and one that I would advocate for people that I notice a lot. You know, on DraftKings, you see the Q tags and underdog as well. Sometimes you'll see a, a notice and people won't draft a guy. At this point, if you are drafting the right way, if you're drafting for the Week 17 wins that we talk about so much, you got to really be taking some flyers on these guys. And if you get Cleo Herbert at a 20 pick ADP discount just because he was carted off one day and then healthy the next day, uh, that is where your appetite for risk. Maybe you want to be a little more. Uh, risky than you would go there. And one news item I'm just going to throw in here because I feel like this guy's gotten a lot of buzz. I think CSU Ram drafted him in a, an online draft yesterday. Isaiah Likely ca uh, caught eight balls, 100 yards, and a touchdown. And one interesting preseason note for Baltimore, I think we've talked about both Likely and, and Huntley as being potentially handcuffed plays to the two key Baltimore Ravens of Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson. Uh, if you had to choose one, Pete, Isaiah Likely, Tyler Huntley as your handcuff 18th round best ball back uh, for the Ravens, which guy would you choose? I would choose likely because there's likely actually has a path to get on the field without an injury. You know, mm. if they're running a lot of two tight end sets, maybe he's just really good. Maybe he helps fill the void of not having a legit wide receiver too. So I could see that more. Whereas Huntley, it's a pure contingent. Like so he's going to have no fantasy value unless Lamar gets injured. So I think uh, likely is, is probably the better play there. All right, so speaking of these deep sleepers here, we promise it's in the thumbnail. And as you guys know, we always deliver on our thumbnail promises. So make sure you hit the like button because it's time to talk about our deep sleepers. And in fact, I think we're going to snake drafted here for four rounds, Pete. And you've touted some guys. I'll give people the current top five according to Underdog's ADPs. And of course, you can play with us over an Underdog. Use the promo code SPLASH. Double your deposit up to $100. The top five guys, Pete, right over a 200 ADP. Trey Sermon right now, 200.4. Will Fuller down to 201.2 Underdog ADP. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 2. 2.6, Mo Ali Cox, 203.2, and your precious Eno Benjamin, who is apparently getting a little bit knocked on the depth chart uh, with some reports that Darrell Williams might get the goal line touches if Connor went down. Eno Benjamin rounds out the top five at a 203.3 ADP. Pete, though, you can pick anybody you want. Who is your guy after a 200 ADP you'd want as a first overall pick? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm smashing my guy, Eno Benjamin. He looked awesome yesterday uh, and was kind of running ahead of those other backs there with the with the ones. So yeah, give me, give me Eno Benjamin. He's the guy that's been my favorite late round target, packing a few more bags here before he inevitably becomes, you know, a 15th, 16th round pick. Okay, I think that's a fair pick. I, Eno is certainly somebody I've been drafting more of. Uh, unfortunately, not what Pete initially told me to. But I'm going to take a guy that I think is interesting leverage against the player that is steaming up exponentially. And somebody just made this point in chat. So uh, it scrolled away from me, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I think Jarek McKinnon is going to be my first overall pick in this, this deep sleepers draft of ours. 206 ADP right now. Isaiah Pacheco is up, getting drafted sometimes in the 110s I've seen, normally going in the mid-130s. But Pacheco could easily play behind McKinnon, a guy who's been a no notable pass catcher, including last year in the playoffs. Also a guy that was starting ahead or, or playing ahead of Pacheco in the first drives here for the Chiefs in the preseason. I feel like McKinnon's getting slept on too much, Pete. And I, I like Pacheco. I was willing to reach for Pacheco here and there. He is now up so much that like I think it's actually actively a bad thing to draft Pacheco currently. Um, I'm with you. I, I wanted to grab some Pacheco just because I didn't have any of him uh, super late in a lot of these, you know, drafts. Like you're not worried. It's not the Tim Patrick um, situation or not that one specifically, but it's not one of those situations where everyone has them so much cheaper, you know, in the way I'm starting to think about George Pickens, you know, I have a ton of 15, 16th round George Pickens and mm -hmm. now drafting him, 
in the ninth or 10th doesn't feel as good, but Pacheco was a different dynamic where most of those teams drafting early in the off season didn't have him. So I'm not quite as worried about that, but I'm, I'm with you. I still have sticker sticker shock with him. And I think the 49ers and the chiefs are still these backfields. We want to be taking stabs on, you know, McKinnon, Rojo, I know he's uh, falling out of favor, but uh, Jeff Wilson, Trey Sermon, like there's so much uncertainty and those guys have so much upside if things break right that I want to keep uh, grabbing those guys. And I'm with you, McKinnon. I'm I'm at 13%. McKinnon, he's still been a guy that I'm happy to sprinkle in at the end of drafts. Yeah, and earlier in the offseason, I think Mike Leone over at ETR, of course, one of Pete's good buddies, has done splash play before. I uh, did talk about the uncertain backfields and the value you can get there and how he had found some really big ADP jumps or values relative to ADP for guys in these uncertain backfields. So that's my thesis. And I do get the turn pick here, Pete. I'm also going to take Khalil Shakir, uh, 212.5 wow. ADP. We've talked about him. I think the rep on him coming in was that he'd be more of a slot receiver guy. He'd be competing potentially for snaps of McKenzie and Crowder. Instead, he's worked outside, caught pretty much every target he's had in the pre uh, preseason so far. And I love getting Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis catches another monster touchdown from Josh Allen in their preseason game over the weekend. But I feel like if one of those guys goes down, Pete, like Shakir could hop in and he would be Gabe Davis. He'd be the guy that like people are questioning going like, oh, whatever. I don't know. But he's going to be out there running routes. And I think he's got a lot of room to grow. So I feel like if you don't get a part of that Cincinnati Buffalo week 17 correlation, just take Shakir in the 18th round and hope that something bad happens for those other guys. Yeah, the, the hard thing about this exercise for me is I basically want to do running backs for every selection. We didn't establish any parameters if that wasn't allowed, but it does kind of speak to how thin wide receiver sleepers are. And uh, I was actually talking with Chris G earlier, and it was like, unless I'm correlating with a late round running back or a wide receiver, like there's not one guy in a vacuum that I'm excited to take in the same way I am with these running backs where there's so many guys. So the, the sleeper wide receiver part is hard for me. I guess if I do one, I'll go ahead and say Quez Watkins on the Eagles. He's been having a good camp. I do think he is going to be on the field in those three wide receiver sets, has that deep ball skill set, would have contingent upside in the event of an injury to Devonta or A.J. Brown. And I just want pieces of this offense. And a lot of times you're getting shut out now with Gainwell getting steamed up. So Quez always being there available late as really cheap, exposure to this offense he's been one of the few kind of wide receivers i can squint and be like all right i could see him having a surprisingly good season yeah 214 adp on quez right now but you get another pick pete and i i get where you're going with not liking the wide receivers but i do think if you get scooped on wide receivers you like a lot like you wanted to get dubs he's now going too high like i think there's a couple out there that i'd be willing to take flyers on for contingent plays for guys that could just bubble up so i've got some more receivers but you could take another running back if you want follow your heart I'm going to I'm going to bounce around and try to do some some of the guys we don't talk about all the time. I'll I'll do a quarterback and I'll say Desmond Ritter and I continue to a lot of people I respect are in on Mariota. I I hear them. I want them to speak their truth. I still find it very unlikely that Mariota will be the quarterback weeks 15 through 17. And I thought Ritter looked pretty good in their first preseason game. He took off running a bunch. I think he could have a pretty massive fantasy ceiling in the playoffs they also have a pretty nice schedule of course culminating with that game against the cardinals and so i'm pretty into ritter as a qb3 and three qb builds i think he could be that kind of guy where 
a lot of teams don't advance to the playoffs with him because he's not, you know, helping teams advance. But if you're able to sneak him through to either week 16 and 17, and then he comes in and plays really well to have a unique guy with upside, um, I'm still pretty in on Ritter. And I think you can make the same case for Malik Willis, but I think Malik Willis probably needs a an injury or Tannehill playing really poorly, where I think there's just a chance they want to see what they have with Ritter by the end of the season regardless. The chat's saying something that I'm thinking when you're talking about this, like pick it too. Pick it uh, yeah. as a, actually looks solid. Pickett's going to start sooner than later. Like, I think I'm surprised that you went Ritter over Pickett. And I know the rushing upside with Ritter definitely seems to be there. That's going to be probably the core part of his weaponry. But I feel like that Pittsburgh sack, Pete, like the way that they bubble up, like Claypool, that he beats his ADP, the way that uh, Deontay Johnson beats his ADP is probably Pickett starting. So I actually, I don't want to pick him here, but I don't know why you wouldn't pick it, pick him, <laughs> pick it. Uh, so I was looking at my exposures. I have slightly more Ritter than Pickett, but okay. Pickett's right there with me as the guy I toss in in three QB builds. And I was doing it a ton with, it would be like when I would get Deontay Johnson or Claypool, and then I would get Pickens in the 15th or 16th. And then anytime I was in a three QB build with that situation, I'm always tacking on uh, Pickett there. So yeah, I'm I'm in on it. And he's probably, the thing about Pickett, right? Is he, I guess the weapons are pretty exciting. I guess I'm torn on if he has enough rushing upside to just be a really big smash or if he could just provide you a solid floor. Like even thinking of what like Mac Jones did down the stretch last year where he was serviceable. So I, I, I'm I'm a little hesitant to say he has the upside to be like a top 10 quarterback in the way I think Ritter could be. All right, so let me take my two picks and you can take your last one. We'll close it out. But uh, the QB I do want to take is Zach Wilson. He's at a 207.8 EP. We've talked about our love for Garrett Wilson on the show. Pete has been beating the drum for him. Elijah Moore also going to make a jump. Corey Davis, a cheap guy to stack with. Michael Carter, a good running back who I think you can pair with Zach Wilson to feel good about. Zach Wilson went down entirely because of that knee injury or you know maybe a little bit of looking not great in the preseason as well, but it was literally a couple series. But I feel like if you're going to draft the Jets receivers early, if you're going to take those guys, Zach Wilson should be going at 207. Like He was going to the 150s earlier in B. BBM. It's too good of a value. I think you can still use him in a two QB build. So I'll take him there. And Pete, just to speed it up so we can get to the best ball mania draft. I think Zach Moss is the other play 211.8 for me or underdog on the ADP right now. But I think the move with Zach Moss is that you don't get Singletary. You don't get James Cook. How do those guys fail? It probably means that Zach Moss continued to be forced in like he has been so far this preseason and actually looked pretty good, looked pretty spry. Looks like he still could get goal line work. So I think there's a lot of outs for you with Zach Moss. So when I don't get any Bills players early on, I sometimes take Moss and Shakir in the 17th and 18th and feel good about it. But do you have any big thoughts on Moss and Wilson or do you just want to take your last guy? Uh, no, I, I like Moss. We continue to hear more and more rumblings that he's going to have a role this year. Um it, it'll be really interesting to see how it pans out. That entire offense looks so good. I mean, Singletary looked good. James Cook looked good with his stuff. And then, you know, Zach Moss continues to get to get buzz out of having a role there. So, again, having access to this offense through a last-round pick and knowing Zach Moss has the capability to have a two-touchdown game just basically falling into the end zone from the one-yard line, it's, it's certainly interesting. And he's not being drafted in every Best Ball Mania 3 draft, so you're getting a uniqueness angle there too. Um, so, yeah, I like that one. You know, one other guy that I kind of want to draft more that also falls into, I think, a similar thesis is rookie Ravens running back Tyler Beatty. Um, you know, I know J.K. Dobbins is on the right track. Gus Edwards' health looking a little bit more sketchy. I think Beatty could have a pass-catching role right out of the gate. I know Justice Hill has also gotten some buzz. That's the only thing that would maybe complicate it. But Beatty is like a really good prospect and pretty interesting. And the same thing with the Niners and the Chiefs. 
and the Bills. I just want cheap exposure to these offenses and knowing that there's kind of multiple outs of how these guys could get on the field. And so, yeah, he, he's pretty interesting to me. Yeah. All right. So there we go. Tyler Beatty, a solid pick, though. Uh, was worth noting, Pete, he was behind Mike Davis in the preseason game this weekend. Mike Davis, the ageless Mike Davis coming back for his rebound season. Well, yeah, I have zero. I'm not I'm not worried about Mike Davis uh, whatsoever. And I mean, Mike Davis, I, I guess maybe they could have him trying to like be their pass catching back. But that honestly seems like a true disaster for the Ravens. If What do they if do they with John Foreman last year? What do they do with uh, or Devontae Foreman? Excuse me. What do they do with Latavius Murray? I don't know. I, either way, Pete, I think it's time to hop in a draft, of course, over on Underdog competing for $10 million. Best ball mania three. And Pete now so desperate to get his 150 entries and will let us draft in his account one more time. And I, I, I might be underselling myself, Pete. Like maybe you're watching me draft. You're seeing how I'm working rooms and you're like, I just need some more spags input here because I could be your buy for this year. Like what if splash play collectively wins one of these tournaments? Yeah, you're probably giving, you are giving yourself too much credit because I could just overrule you whatever I want to do what I want on this stream. So in, in a way I'm just drafting by myself and I have you in the little sidecar there. No, but that's the best way I think for you to do it where it's like you get my genius and then you get to be like the funnel to decide if you want to take that information in. Or, Did you just or say I get your there. genius? Yes. My delicate genius. In fact, uh, only the delicate part will I sign off on. <laughs> That's tough, but fair. We appreciate all of you guys hanging out. Make sure you subscribe to Pete's channel, subscribe to the splash play channel. Hopefully my Wi-Fi doesn't Peter out today, but, um, yeah, you are in the eight hole in this one. So, uh, not going to be a good spot for us. It feels like we're going to have the choice between Derek Henry or, or Dalvin cook or reaching for digs baby or, or Adams. I don't know. Although I will say we kept out all the badge bros. So that feels good. Oh, yeah. We, we snuck in there. People got tired of us talking about news and left, and they, they missed out on that sweet streamer EV. That's right. Um, do we get a splash play pizza party? Yes. If if we win the million dollars, uh, we will get high and <laughs> have a pizza party with everyone. Yeah, I like that people like Herzig's made that a bit. In general, there's pizza party jokes out there that we probably shouldn't repeat on this show. But our bit for pizza party is just like it's code word for getting real baked and doing a show. DeAndre Swift goes number Whoa, three. Whoa, okay. <laughs> this is what I like to see. Go get your guys. Oh, I've seen him go in the eight hole, and I was like, what is going on here? What is – why? Why third overall? Yeah, I mean, this – well, you know, it'll be interesting to see who they take in the second round because you can make the argument, um, you know, of, of a uniqueness angle of like, hey, say you want to get two second-round picks, and really the only way to do that is to take one of them in the first round. So we'll see how unique we think the pairing is with this swift uh with this swift start okay dude so if jamar chase falls to us come on one time i, I didn't even want to say it out loud because i've seen chase starts to fall to the eight and nine spot not in draft ah did not that's a bummer all right let's get our uh Dick's numbers up. Yeah, that works. I have been taking a little bit of Adams in the eighth spot just to try to flip it a little bit because I have more than enough digs at this point. Um, but I think to me, this speaks to the point that like, I think you should be taking a receiver in the first round and I really don't care which one it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, at that spot, I'm, I'm happy to take uh, digs there. I mean, I, I really need, these guys just are such hard clicks. I kind of want to take a little more Dalvin Cook. Mm. Um, but other than that, I'd rather just, get Barkley, get Swift um, in the second round. Yeah, Dalvin Cook having the the pre-knee injury Todd Gurley season with Kevin O'Connell being the new offensive coordinator, I feel like is in play. Um, and I've talked about Madison exposure, and I, I should be taking more Cook, and I think I'm still firmly where you are, where 8% is going to be the ownership for any of these guys. We're getting drafted in every draft, and uh, you're half of it, and I'm about half of it as well.
Yeah. I feel pretty good with my exposure levels to these guys. I don't really have any massive concerns. Yeah, so you're a little bit above on McCaffrey and Taylor and then below on everybody else? Yeah. I guess besides Barkley. I think I'm actually, yeah, I think I was even or slightly above on those two running backs. I'm way over on um, Cup and, and Chase. I think I'm at like double the field on both of those guys. I, yeah, I was looking up my numbers and actually was pulling up before the show. Let's see where I am exposure-wise. I am almost triple the field on T. Higgins, double the field more than that on Debo. Um, Elijah Moore, I'm double the field on, double on Tyler Boyd. I did not get double for Cooper Cup. Actually, I guess Cup, I have just shy of 16%. So, And Jefferson, I also have uh, just shy of 16% in best ball mania. And I'll be talking about my wide receiver exposures on Friday because got some decent clicks with my, my bullshit RB rankings video <laughs> on Friday, Pete, where I just listed my favorite zero RBs that I have a lot of exposure to. Uh, Diggs Lamb is a very fun start. I love it. Go for it. I don't normally, you can see there, I only have 7%. Lamb, he was pricey for me for a lot of the offseason when he was going kind of at the late first, but uh two five to pair up with Diggs. Uh definitely not mad about that. Is Lamb the most volatile? For, I guess it's weird because Debo has been jumping a lot and he jumps here, goes in the 12 spot. Is CD Lamb though like the most volatile guy where I've seen him go in the eight spot? I've seen him go where he took where we just took him here in the 17 spot. I feel like he's the guy that like you can make the case either way, and it just depends on people's personal preferences. I would say Lamb to me is the canary in the coal mine for what kind of room you're in. You know, if mm -hmm. Lamb ends up going like eight or nine, that's when I'm like, all right, buckle up, avalanche. And then when he slides to the mid second, then I'm like, okay, you see all these drafters. You know, we we have Josh Allen go at the turn way ahead of ADP, um, Najee going. Uh, so yeah, that that's always the indication for me. If he's going after a, a rando pick like that, Najee, I'm like, all right, maybe this is a, a softer room. Uh, Josh asking a good question. We're going to take some questions throughout here because I think we got a good mix of uh, guys have been doing every stream with us and also guys who are new to the best ball streets. Can you spread yourself too thin taking too many players, for example, correlated to taking too many players in a DFS slate? Pete, I've talked about some of the shows you've done with Brick. I think that are very illuminating about how a really sharp hiring DFS player would approach it as well as Pete. Uh, but I think that's something that uh, the game theory that Brian talks about a lot has spoken to me and you pushing back and poking holes in it. I would say to me like the 8% number is really the thing where if you're taking 8%, you're basically with the field if you take double it you're trying to exploit the field if you take less than it you're trying to exploit the field like i think that's the smartest way i've heard it explained but how would you try to sum it up for a guy like josh yeah for me uh i'm trying to draft the best possible team in every unique room i'm in and so i don't go into a draft saying like all right i'm low on javante williams like i just saw that i only had 10 percent javante williams and i was like yeah kind of like that to be more 13, 14%. I'd like a little more of him, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go out of my way to draft him at two. What would this have been two five here or whatever? Like, that's just not how I think about it. And so the way I'm getting exposure to the guys that aren't my guys like Zeke in my, in my pick this morning, I think I added like my third or fourth share of Zeke and all of these drafts because he slid well past ADP in a room where I hadn't taken a running back yet. So I end up just trying to make the best possible selections and using my favorites to break ties and then getting the guys I don't like at extreme discounts. And I do think I'm probably more on the portfolio side. I've recently, now that ADP has started to firm up even more, I've gotten more aggressive specifically in like the mid to late rounds of going and getting my guys, um, guys that I think have upside, but specifically in these first rounds, I, um, I've been mm -hmm. happy to mix up my exposures here. So this would be a classic one. I mean, Higgins at 3-8, like there's no way we can pass on this.
Yeah, I think so. Like I was, I thought you were going to make a case for one of the other guys based on your exposures, but Higgins falling this far does not happen very often on underdog, even though that's his DraftKings ADP. And this is another, that this was another example. Cause I thought that too, of like, Hey, I like DJ more, but this is what happens. So Higgins, one of the guys I'm way over on relative to my other exposures. But then I say to myself, how many teams do I have with Diggs, Lamb and Higgins? <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not a lot. And so if I'm getting one of my favorite players in a juiced up combo, I get pretty, pretty excited about that. Yeah, the chat's going wild. I do have to call out a super chat that we got earlier from Max saying, let's oh, go watching from Hawaii, GM, GM, GM. Pete, I know you always talk about people being on vacation watching the show and how it's a foolish move, but I can't but give enough love to Max for being on a nice beach, having so many options. He could be having a drink out of a coconut right now, and hopefully he's still doing that watching the show, yet he's watching the show. I mean, that's the kind of love that I want to engender from everybody out there. So shout out to Max. Yeah, I, I assume Max, you're there with your girlfriend. Please don't, you know, get too much in trouble watching a splash play trip. I was already worried about Davis Maddox's marriage falling apart as he, you know, tried to do fantasy stuff on his honeymoon. You guys, uh, you know, smell the roses a little bit, Max. But thank you for tuning in today. You mix in some of Donovan's emojis. I think he's doing the splash play version of it, but uh, it could also become. I think we could <laughs> we could say that, <laughs> that Donovan's emojis could easily also become. Yeah. Um, I like this room though. I think this is a really nice start to a draft. This feels like a draft that you would have gotten in May, which always speaks to my soul. Yeah, this is uh this is a fun one here. I was hoping Waddle would fall to four or five. Um, mm. I kind of for me, there's a little bit of a tear break after after Waddle, but you know what I want to do, and uh I think I want to rip Gabe Davis. Okay. The the unstacked Josh Allen, Josh Allen was reached for heavily in this draft. I think that's a pretty good game theory move, I would say, too. Yeah, I uh, I just have no problem getting access to this Bills offense, even without Allen, and also knowing we have pretty two pretty good stacking options in Dak and Burrow as well that we can do. And uh, I mean, I guess like Judy, you could make a case for, but when I'm looking at that board with Robinson, McLaurin, Gabe, Judy, um, in a pretty flat tier elsewhere, I just, I can't think of a better pick than than Gabe. It's hard to not get excited for Gabe too. And you see him catching 50 yard touchdowns where he's just like going up and get it. And Josh Allen's willing to throw it to him. And, and it's the preseason and like, they're not trying to hurt these guys. Um, I, there's been nothing like I've always been team Gabe. I think we both have been team Gabe. Um, certainly like to get him in at 70 at some of the early drafts that we had, but even still now, like he's one of those rare guys where he's gone up 30 picks in ADP and I'm still happy to get him whenever I do. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, obviously we get the, uh, the beefed up week 17 stuff there with, uh, you know, could play it through Burrow if we're able to to land him in this draft with with Higgins, Diggs, and Gabe. There's also somebody you asked earlier about uh, drafting now and, you know, the unstacked QBs getting sniped from you because of the, the more casual rooms. I do think, Pete, I have a question for you about that, but also just casual rooms in general. Like, are there any things that you observe that you just try to be more mindful of in a casual room? Because I know I get scooped on uh, stacks a lot with QBs more that we are in a more casual drafting season, uh, meaning the newer players coming in, guys who don't have the same amount of experience as all the badge bros. But is there anything you would do to protect yourself against like casual rooms? Because there's obviously a lot of advantages that we can see with this draft we have so far, but it also could be something that just fucks up your structure when you are trying to draft structurally or for correlations. I don't know why, but I don't, I don't, unless someone's like drafting five quarterbacks, which definitely happens in some rooms, I just don't really worry about it because I know I'm constantly going to be building out avenues that I can do. And even if I, even if we get sniped on Burrow or whatever, 
Um, okay, we can play it through Dak. Oh, we can backdoor stack. Oh, we can end up with a three QB build. Like to me, that's really the ultimate takeaway with all of this stuff is I really try to get out of my head having an exact plan, even through four rounds and continue to try to make the best, most logical decisions based on what's happened. And so even though that would be like my idealized version of where this draft goes, like sometimes stuff happens. Like could in, in this room, someone take Joe Burrow right here before us. And it's like, okay, well that that's fine. Like, it's not like, Oh, this team is dead. I just, I just don't really think about that. I think, Oh, my opponents are making suboptimal decisions. How can I make them pay for doing this and trying to build the best possible team? Interesting. Okay. No, it's a good way to look at it. And I think you sounded a little bit like the Joker for part uh, portion of that, where you're talking about, you're just a dog chasing cars out there. You like the chaos That's of true. it, but, but I would agree that having the flexibility, like, you know, we could go a lot of different ways when you get four receivers that good that early. Yeah. Um, that, that correct. Bullock is correct. This is the genius bags influence that we have here without, I was, <laughs> I was this whole time. I was telepathically talking to Cleveland 2021 saying, take Deandre Swift. He's going to be really good this year. He's not in a timeshare with a guy going in the one seventies. Exactly. Um, oh. let's see what Phil, I mean, I'm going to be happy to smash, uh, George Kittle here. I was going to say that I was hoping you're giving him away. Like you're tipping our picks a little bit here where I'm I don't worried think one of Phillip's these watching. Talking. Okay. Maybe he is. Actually, that's too. a pretty nice. Um, yeah. yeah, he had the. So we get Kittle again, opens us up toward, you know, we miss out on the Allen double stack with these guys because he was off the board at 2 1. But now we have outs for Lance, for Burrow, and for Dak here, which is, which is nice. This definitely is a team that I've gotten at some point, And I'm curious to see how, like, I, this is one of the things that Bime for posted a tweet. Pete, I don't know if you saw this, like talking about the stuff of trying to build for spike week. And you know, it seems like they're getting enough resources to actually build some cool tools. So if you want to give some, uh, some feedback to Bime for go check out Eric Bime Twitter and, and reply to that and see what you want um, out of spike week's tools. But I do think one of the tools that I'd be curious about is like, can I look up a lineup, like kind of like on fantasy cruncher where I select Higgins, Gabe Diggs, whatever. And, and D uh, you know, and CD lamb and just see like how that aligned. Do I have any lineups with those four guys? Because that's a really rare start that we got here and getting the elite tight end too. Like I love this build. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I worry about the builds that just feel so comfy and cozy and make me happy and that it's not uh, that unique, but uh, that that's just how it goes. See, but that's like, I feel like inherently, if you don't take a running back, you're still getting away from a lot of the comfy, cozy lineups that everybody else feels comfy and cozy with. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the Higgins slide definitely makes this one feel... The, the Lamb and Higgins slide make it feel pretty damn fun. Yeah, Andrews and Pitts going back-to-back, -to -back too, is not something I feel like I've seen very often either. Yeah. Now, this is... This will be an interesting thought here on if we want to reach for Lance or not. Um, I think if Metcalf or Mooney are on the board, it's a little tougher decision if those guys are off the board i think it's pretty easy to take lance i i love getting lance he's my highest exposed qb still i continue to draft him wherever i can i reach for him in the 60s sometimes so i think given that we got kittle it, the shitty part is like we have no chance to get Ayuk. i would think which would be nice to get that with kittle yeah, no, Ayuk's not coming back. I mean, if anything, if you were trying to do it, you would maybe take Ayuk here and see if there's a small chance that Lance would come back. But as the top quarterback off the board, he's not coming back. I don't know if I love Mooney enough to to pass on Lance with with this build. 
I mean, I think if we're talking about a guy who could be QB one this year, like I still firmly believe that Trey Lance is that guy. Like I don't have an issue paying any ADP for the most part with Trey Lance, especially, you know, if you can get the double stack somehow. Um, Cause I think like people love Jalen hurts. Like I get it. He runs well. We've had the success metrics. AJ Brown's going to help him out a lot, but Lance like can be a game breaking QB that like people have a hard time projecting his rushing stats. People have a hard time projecting what he's going to do as a deep ball thrower. Like if he is what that guy, like he could be Josh Allen or you know whatever quarterback you want to compare to. And also Nick is a hundred percent right here. We also have to remember zero B is still a niche style of drafting. Most people aren't comfortable with. So teams like this are automatically unique. And that is a hundred percent, a good point. I talk about the bubble we're in and you know, I'm, I'm kidding when I say I get nervous when this team feels too cozy because it feels like I'm drafting in my comfort zone and maybe not doing uh, enough unique things. But he, Nick is totally right. The, the percentage of the field still executing true zero RB builds while it is up from last year it is still minuscule in proportion to the overall drafting pool. Yeah, and I think, too, there's a lot of people who kind of settle on the anchor RB, the hero RB, superhero RB, whatever, enough that I, I agree with that take a lot. And that was what I was trying to say that Nick said much more eloquently. Uh, we had one interesting chat here. Michael Richard saying, Spags is going to be quite sad when Swift goes for 1,000 and 1,000. Pete, even if that's the case, like what if Justin Jefferson goes for 2,000 yards and, and 18 touchdowns? I still think taking Swift to three-hole was a wrong move. Uh Yes, I did want to circle back to that. So what did they do here? So they did Swift, Javante, and then Mike Williams. So I will say I, this is unique, right? Because it's really, really hard to get Swift and Javante on the same team. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how you do that. You'd need Swift to fall like deep into the second, and then you'd need Javante to fall into the mid-third. Yeah. So Javante I, can I do, fall there, but both those things happening is unlikely. So I actually don't, I know this seemed like insane, um, but the way this is broke for them, you're getting two second round picks in the first round. And last year, that was an incredible strategy. The second round picks smashed last year. Eckler, uh, Najee, I'm forgetting another one of them who were, who were up there, Joe Mixon. And so this has been my thesis all along. I guess the problem is, is I'd rather attempt this from five or later. That's my main issue with it because I do think it's really flat after pick five. So maybe you take Swift instead of Eckler and then get Javante coming back here. Whereas I don't want to pass up on ever getting any one of these top five picks. But once it's after that, I think it's fair game. So that's my only quibble with it. But I like the idea of getting two second round picks and getting a unique start. I just find it hard to believe that Swift is going to beat every receiver out there. And I, I also very much a believer that Justin Jefferson can be in line for historic year. I think cup, even if he's 90% of, you know, 75 to 90% of what he was last year, like he's still going to be better than most running backs. So that's, you know, me being again, a didactic zero RB guy that's obsessed with drafting this way every single time I can. Um, but yeah, like I think it's hard for me to see Swift being worth the three, picks, but I agree with you. I knew that. I knew that was going to happen with the chase, uh, chase owner there. Um, that stings a little bit. Um, we could still set up. I don't want to play even a DAC double. I don't think we need to play it through Schultz on a kill team, knowing we have a couple options later. I think I'm going to play Devonte Smith here. Interesting. Okay. I don't mind it. I would probably air more for Tony or, or Olave, but yeah, you know, I'm not as big. You're, you're Olave over Devonte Smith. 
I think with this build, yeah, because like I just don't think Devontae Smith, like A, starting the year injured, I don't love. B, like A.J. Brown. Again, the reports are that he's getting as many targets as everybody else in that offense combined. So that's where I start to get a little bit less into Devontae, whereas like Tony, you know, they're protecting like he's gold. Olave, a lot of great reports on Jameis and how he's looked so far. And then with Mike Williams being hurt again, apparently uh, some hamstring issue that's a new one for him. Uh, I feel like Olave could be a smash in a way that I think Devonta he's he's going to get to his numbers last year if he gets there by the skin of his teeth. Yeah, I, I love Devonta. He was really good and efficient as a rookie. If our thesis is this offense is ready for blast off mode with Hertz and AJ Brown, which I do think it is, I think Smith is going to have plenty of opportunities, even if it's in a decrease in overall target share. And then on top of it, he has really huge contingent upside and i really think of him as an arbitrage gabe davis pick um if if that thesis is true you know the the number two who i think is going to have a ton of scoring opportunities in a big offense obviously if the eagles are still super run heavy like this whole thesis falls apart but it also falls apart for you know hurts and, and aj brown in that case as well but in the scenarios where the eagles are an awesome offense i think devonta smith is is going to be a big part of it I just think it's AJ Brown season. And like, if I can't get AJ Brown, I don't want the Eagle stack as much, uh, but I get it. Like I got the logic for it and the contingent value. You could sell me on a little bit, but um, yeah, I am more of a, like I would rather have AJ Brown by a wide margin. I think the, Oh, I mean, no, for, I mean, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on that, on that too, but I want to be stacking as many of these second year breakout wide receiver profiles as possible. And then you're going to toss it in on what could potentially be a top offense in the league. Um, it's, it's a, an easy selection for me there. Let's see here. Was there anything else? I think we should probably, I kind of like the idea of just locking up Dak here and, mm -hmm. and being done at quarterback with You're our, talk our to Olave for the reasons we talked about in the bring back. But I think Dak, Dak is the, we're going to have really high QB upside, which I, as I talked about, I think that's one of my favorite builds getting the QBs like six and eight in the round. Wait, wait till bye week Twitter finds out about this. Oh, is it? Are they both? Are they both nine boys? Oh man! Yeah, I have not had a lot of Lance Prescott combinations. It's funny when you learn that. Like, I think Lamar and Burrow. I've talked about being one that I've been like, oh fuck, I now have to draft a third QB. Um, Lance and Dak. I don't get that combination very often, but like, it's a really nice combination to have. Like, we got a lot of versatility down the back end. Yeah, and we'll be able to see. You know, depending on how our team shakes out, and if we have a luxury pick for for maybe a a high upside three QB, but. We will we will see how it goes. Talk about being unique, though. The uh, because people shy away from the two quarterback bye weeks. I would say there are very very few Trey Lance, Dak Prescott bye weeks. Hayden Winks also just had another article up on the Underdog Network where he was looking at ways to be unique, and another one of his was just taking two quarterbacks that go very close to each other in ADP. And I thought that was a good thesis too of like a lot of people, the second they select a quarterback, they're not normally going right back to it, right? Where you naturally are like, okay, I've used some resources here. I can wait a little bit. So I, I, I do like that line of thinking. Yeah, that's where that's honestly why I've gotten a good amount of Lance and Burrow and uh, whether honestly, even when Lance is going a little bit later, I would get them together because um, I feel like they do line up a lot where people don't want to take those two guys in a row. But yet you can get the stacks, the double stacks, both of them um, decently easy. Uh, at least it used to be before AU started to get steam dupe, uh, steamed up, steam dupe, uh, turning Canadian for the show. Uh, I Man, this team, though, running back is going to be tough, but. In this room, I feel like this room has not shown me to be particularly sharp with running back. So I think we might have a really nice zero RB room. Yeah, I'm I don't even know if I'm looking at running backs yet. 
You have talked about being willing to draft seven receivers and then start spamming running backs. And I have to say, I've done that build a few times and boy, those feel like God mode teams when you do that. Yeah, I have. Uh, I'm not passing on MBS or Burks here. I'll tell you that much. I like Burks. I mean, especially because we have Dallas now. I think Burks would make sense, but you know, Woods could also make sense. I'd, I would rather have Burks, but my only thing about I'm probably going to take MBS here because MBS does not slide as much, and I do really think Burks. Oh well, they made the decision for us. Um, Burks, I think, is just going to continue to slide yeah. because he continues to have bad reports, and people are so scared uh, about it. So. You're, I think we could start to get, you know, Burks after pick 110 if this kind of preseason trend continues. But like you said, with our Dallas build already, uh, definitely makes sense there. It's a nice little team we got going here. Uh, Pete, what's the schedule for you going on? Because I feel like you have been streaming every night that I've opened my YouTube app. So um, are you still doing FFPC drafts or is that part of the season done now? No, now, yeah, we have a draft on Wednesday night, uh, main event draft, and on Thursday night with Davis. So, yes, we're still, uh, we're in busy season. Is Davis still on his honeymoon doing this one, or is he actually back in the mainland? Uh, Davis is back in the mainland. Okay. Back in the mainland. That would have been funny, though, if he had to go from, like, his all-inclusive dinner to come (laughs) to a stream with you guys, because that's the kind of vibe that I look for on Ship Chasing. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, it would have Davis tapping in from the honeymoon in a floral polo shirt would have been everything I need. Do you think you're going to hit your 150? Yeah. Like, but you're <laughs> like, there's no way you wouldn't, you would just go like, fine, I'm fine with 145. Cause I think it was a uh, Eagles. I saw no. on Twitter. It's like, I might do 100 and be done, which I feel like if you get to 100, I don't know how you don't get to 150. If, if I, if I was legitimately worried about getting, I would just enter a bunch of the slow drafts to, to get me there. There's, there's, there's no way I'm not maxing BBF three. I have just been trying to, uh, to do them all fast drafts. Yeah, no, I, I firmly agree with that one. DeAndre Swift at three, Josh Allen at 13, that shit ain't happening in a slow draft. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That was, that's a real reach of a pick given that Josh Allen falls to like the start of the fourth sometimes. Let's see here. We could continue to make a really big bills bet with Singletary as our first running back. If obviously if we had burrow, I would have smashed uh Boyd mm-hmm. at this pick. I'm a little less enthused about having <laughs> four pass catchers from that game uh, with none of the quarterbacks. If yeah. he goes Singletary here. Okay. He doesn't. I'm, I'm happy to grab Singletary. Yeah. I've, Singletary is still one of my highest exposed running backs. Been trying to take Zach Moss for that reason, uh, as we talked about earlier, where if you get enough Singletary, I think you'd start to look around a little bit. But um, Singletary, to me, like, Cook looked great in that game. Over Like, it's really hard to undersell how fantastic Cooks look. If you search on Twitter for, like, the full highlight reel while his touches, he looks like a monster. But Singletary is, like, also good enough that I think there's ways for both these guys to get there. I wouldn't draft them on the same team. But if, like, Moss doesn't get there, like, Singletary and Cook probably did. Yeah, and you know the other nice thing in these in this true zero RB build where we took our first running back in the tenth, Devin Singletary is a guy that can get you off to a fast start. You know, specifically if James Cook um, is a little slower to to come along as the rookie. Um, you know, I've started taking uh, some Rashad Penny in these early. I think I took Rashad Penny on my draft this morning with that same idea too of like you know some of these backs are going to get you off to to really fast starts, which is nice. Uh, shout out to Sammy, of course, the Buffalo War Pigs in the chat, Pete. Sammy, one of our most frequent commenters as well. Are you afraid of the Buffalo War Pigs coming across one of your teams in Best Ball Mania? No, I love Sammy. Sammy always brings great en- energy, says things like, I love you, motherfuckers. Uh, so, no, we love Sammy. 
And this Christopher guy, Spags is high strung. I mean, maybe a high energy, I would say more than high strung. Yeah. <laughs> Got to keep the vibes up, Pete. I, I talked to Pete before the show, so I hurt my foot. Uh, Pete, the injury I technically have right now is turf toe. You know how I got turf toe walking around? Wait, you legitimately chucked... have turf toe? Yes. I got Jesus. turf toe walking up flights of stairs. Like I walked up 40 flights of stairs according to my Apple Watch over a, a time period after I hurt my foot walking around in Chucks and Javianas when I was in Ocean City. Uh, so... <laughs> This is the joys of being in your late 30s, Pete, and being a father if you are in a three-story house is that you just get injuries and get athlete injuries from taking care of your child and existing. So what? How, what is the? Uh, how do you beat this turf toe disease? Uh, if it, it apparently will get better in a few days, then I just have to be careful to not do flexion. But every time like my toe goes like this, like I always made fun of turf toe or like, you know, mentally was like, ah, turf toe, this guy. Now that I've experienced it, it is honestly like I've broken my wrist in eight spots once and had to get surgery and get wires put in this injury to my foot also tore my Achilles tendon at one point. This turf toe is more painful than those two injuries. Yeah, I, I've heard horror stories from it. It sounds uh, sounds absolutely brutal. I feel like our chat, I, I feel like this stream has found other people with just takes wildly different than ours. Someone has a take Devin Singletary going before Brian Robinson is comical. Robinson is a total monster. Wow. <laughs> Robinson got a it. lot of hype, but boy, he is just a through the tackles runner that if that game script doesn't go their way, he is going to be deeply screwed. Sorry, I didn't even discuss that pick because it was such a smash for us in this build. No, that's fine. Look, I think you're drafting <laughs> a nice team. I'm happy to have 50% of this team, Pete. I don't know if you've been labeling them. I've labeled all of our teams. I actually went back. This is how much of a degenerate I am. I went back through all of my teams and started to label ones that I think are like interesting and kind of good. Uh, so <laughs> but I differentiated them so I know which ones are from the show and which ones are just my personal fun boy builds. No, I get, uh, I get stressed out if I go. I think I had... Oh, maybe it was like a week ago. I had to relabel like 11 of my BBM three teams just from my night drafts. Cause that's my normal. I do one at night and I had, and I was like, God damn it. This is going to be such a chore to label all these. It's a good question by Matt. Am I going to be ready by week one? I don't know. I'm doing the best I can to make sure that we're good for the transition over to the Splash Play YouTube channel. And of course, you can subscribe to the Splash Play YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Splash Play Pod. And if you're a podcast listener, which we still have a lot of, we don't talk about that on YouTube as much, but uh, go check out the Apple podcast feed. And if you're only listening to the podcast version, make sure to check out the video because you're missing uh, looking at me and Pete, seeing Pete's titties from time to time. I mean, boy, how could you beat this YouTube experience? It's an incredible YouTube experience. You have to catch us live. Um, Donovan, this is, a, this is a good one. More rushing attempts per game this season, Hurts or Lance? I mean, maybe there's a projection bro in the chat who can uh, shine some light on this. To me, this feels like even money here. Do you have a strong lean on who rushes more? Oh, God, I do feel like it'd be really close. Um, I think Lance can win more. Like They're going to let him throw the ball deep, but I think that Hurts, they're going to try to force him towards rushing more. So I'd probably take Lance as the favorite in that bet, or Hurts rather as a favorite in that bet. But I think like they're both going to run. They're going to run at a level, Pete, that I think nobody besides Lamar has run historically. Yeah. I uh, I, I think, yeah. I, I'm, I'm so excited about both of those guys from a rushing perspective. And we will take whichever running back Pius does not take here.
Yeah, Rashad White, worth pointing out, as uh, was noted in the Fantasy Life newsletter, of course, where Pete does a great job. If you can't keep up with all the news on The Athletic, the ESPNs of the world, just read Fantasy Life and he's got you covered. Uh, but did talk about Rashad White being the 1B running back, it looks like, moving ahead in the preseason depth charts. And that makes me feel good, Pete, because I was a little worried about him being fourth on the depth chart. And I think it's one of those things where, like, you can't overreact too much to the preseason depth chart stuff. But when guys are running with starters, guys are running right behind Laird Fournette. I feel like he starts to get really nice sensations for your your high shares of Rashad White that I know we both have, I think, over 20%. You had me at the word nice sensations. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was one point where you said something risque as well. <laughs> I didn't, didn't make a joke of it because I just don't want to get bonked on this very serious show of ours. Uh, no, I uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, we, we're, we're doing good on the bonk stuff. We've flown close to the sun. Did you see... Uh, so? There's this guy who's a club top shot fan and he's done these um American doll bits for us where he dresses us up as American dolls. And uh, I gotta show you the one that he made for me most recently because Bonk makes an appearance. He gave me a flotation device with the word bonk next to it. Wow. <laughs> is this is this for sale now in the Peter Rovers at store? You know, I wish. Uh, I would love to have this doll behind me. I got my Fantasy Life Fedora, my randomizer skateboard, zero RB shirt, and week 17 correlation doll. Uh, absolutely beautiful work here by Medicine Skulls. I got to say, I appreciate, you know, I, I talk about a lot. I love the Splash Play community. love the people who are here every day watching shows with us. We, why is everybody else in your world so talented? And our audience gives us clips that were like just cobbled together, like putting a cassette tape with a razor blade. <laughs> and yet you have people making graphics of American boy dolls. Like what is going on? Wow. I mean, Spag just really throwing the Splash Play audience under the bus here. Spag just said, I want an American boy doll. <laughs> Wow, Spags. I'm here every day with iconic looks. You could have a, oh, look, he's got like a fun Italian hat. Oh, he's got like a fucking, I, I have accessories. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Harv. Goodness. Somebody make, there was once like this Barstool Lego kid who was like looking for clout by making like Barstool like sets or whatever. And I was, and that was after I left and I'm like, this motherfucker is not going to put me in a set because I'm not there anymore. <laughs> and it bothers me. I want to be, can somebody make a fake toy for me somewhere? Even if it's a sex toy, I, I don't care. Basically what Spags is saying is he wants a super fan to make Spags related fan art about him all the day, all day to validate his self-worth. Make, make it anime style make it cute like the the tweak and craig episode of south park i don't care i just i just want to have like a little created avatar somewhere <laughs> um all right let's see here i'm getting this I, we know we actually have a good draft going <laughs> look at these uh i mean we're gonna take one of these guys i i oh, want tyler it to algier. be is it time for you to, to worry be. about tyler algier <laughs> You should probably worry about your Tyler Algier exposure. But it's still week 17. Like, you're playing worlds where Desmond Ritter's out there. You think Desmond Ritter's handing off to Cordero Patterson? No, he's probably handing off to Algier. Um, I'll happily scoop Michael Card there at 152. Back-to-back mm, -back drafts today grabbing Michael Carter, Carter on non-Brees Hall teams. Which I like. I mean, there's yeah. certainly... Brees Hall's looked fantastic from the, the preseason, the camp stuff, all of the videos that are out there. But Carter's still, like, good and should be a good pass game back. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> that's the brand now. This is what this is my differentiation. Someone, point. This guy. 
Someone that'd be funny if now you get your wish and it's it's someone uh does like makes you a barbershop doll and it's your you get your your hair trimmed at the the barbershop. I mean the hair can come off as part of the toy. Like you could swap in different accessories, put me in different hairstyles, put me in different hats, different outfits. If you want to make it anatomically correct, you can try. Like you can do the best you can. Willis has a question for you. How do you feel that I drafted Zeke over Brees Hall earlier today? So is this like the equivalent of like giving Willis a gold watch for his retirement that you're like, I'll take Zeke today over the young running back who's actually going to be good? I've just, I've been grinding a lot of fantasy flock streams and uh, <laughs> my testosterone is pumping through my veins and I finally decided to draft a good running back. Uh, if you are not in the Splashway Deposit Kingdom channel and you want to keep up with, fly, with fantasy flock streams, that's one place to do it because everybody tags me when he's doing a batshit stream. And I watched last night. He's drafted in the big dog, $250 entry, drafted three running backs in the first four rounds, a tight end. I think his wide receiver one was Cortland Sutton. His wide receiver two is like Kadarius Tony. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there, man, but it's a scary place in the fantasy flock streams. It's a very scary place. Um, Boy, a lot of viewers, lots of people. This is an interesting spot here. Running back or tight end. Uh, hmm. I, I never really mind Herbert just because I think the value is there. And we uh, well, we don't have any Detroit yet. After our after our scare, our Herbert scare. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm going to keep buying in now. I, don't, I didn't know you were under 10% on Herbert because I am much heavier on Herbert. <laughs> Aren't you at like 30% Herbert? <laughs> but 25% in best ball media. Were you... <laughs> Did you catch news of the Herbert cart thing? Did you start hyperventilating before you found oh, yeah. out he was okay? I, I was searching Twitter. I actually saw a tweet from our power power Rupesh that I didn't see in the in the timeline to Rupesh, one of our low ball guests last year. Um, he tweeted something about looking for Khalil Herbert news. And I was like, yeah, this is everybody out there. So I was searching everything Sunday morning, then saw the tweets going off and and you tweeting about how you got good value on it with the the flash sale on Khalil Herbert. But I will say my life flashed before my eyes a little bit. Like I, you know, <laughs> he is one he, Tyler Algier, Naheem Hines. If one of those guys goes down, my portfolio looks substantially worse yeah you're, you're starting to realize why some of us smooth out our exposures a little bit <laughs> well i feel like 3x like i felt like to me 24 percent was the cap i've gone for like i'm willing to go 3x the field on zero rb guys or like tyler algier in the hopes that he would kind of gain um in terms of adp and uh look I, I made my stands and now it's too late to dig out of them at this point do you know the player so you, you'd be able to survive a herbert or Hines stuff um in your portfolio like i was thinking about one of my highest owned guys that would just sting so much is t higgins because i have him with all of those early start teams so you'd be torching cmc jt jefferson all my teams that have higgins at the two three turn that's that's the guy that i'm most exposed to that i feel would just like legitimately wipe out a, a fourth of my portfolio yeah, for that's exactly where I am with Higgins. I'm at 22.3% of Higgins right now in best ball mania. Uh, probably a lot more if I were to encapsulate the puppy entries as well. Um, but, you know, like a star receiver, like at least I'm building my teams for receiver upside. But if like a zero RB star for me goes down, like, you know, <laughs> I use the term star pretty loosely. If one of those guys goes down, though, like a lot of my portfolio starts to sink, I think, as a result of the, the way I've drafted uh, for months now. Yeah. Um. We might get wiped out on this tight end tier here. I was thinking about grabbing Henry or Everett with that pick versus Herbert. I thought it was close. Thought maybe one of the tight ends would come back. They're getting wiped out. 
so we well, I guess we could probably take so we could take McKinnon later and then also take Dulcich, who like a lot of good signs for Dulcich in terms of how much Alberto is playing and being treated like he doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Yeah, dude. The we talked to a Denver beat reporter on the um on the Sirius XM show last night and combined with his comments saying how the team wants Dolchich to be the guy to how they were using Alberto in preseason. I mean, it's pretty nuts. I say we get our other 49er here and, and grab TDP. You could do Zamir white for the, the bring back on, on Kittle. Yeah, we could, we could, I guess TDP we could still. Down. Yeah. Good call. I, I like Zamir White. Like, I, I still think Josh Jacobs is probably safe. But if we're, again, targeting week 17, like, Zamir White, they clearly want to give some run to. It's probably not the same as, like, the Dulcet situation we're just talking about. But Zamir White being there week 17 would not surprise me one bit. No. I uh, I just like uh, it would have been fun to get a little bit more exposure to the 49ers. But we could also do that with Jeff Wilson or Sermon later, too. So I think that was a good call to go go White. Or Danny Gray. Danny Gray is still popping off every week and ungodly fast. So my only thing about that is I don't think we're going to have that. So we have three more picks and mm. one's going to be a tight end. And to me, this feels like a seven running back build. Yeah, I've been getting more two seven seven twos lately and I feel OK about him. I prefer a two six eight two, but I, I think the two seven seven two does feel a little more secure for a, a really pure 10th round zero RB start. What are we looking at here with? tight end i could i could see i think hurst is fine uh with this build too basically playing that as a week 17 shootout with, without both the quarterbacks and then still having our big bets on the dallas tennessee game and san francisco vegas game basically being concentrated across three games so you're definitely not going to take a third qb then just to get somebody who's not on by for week nine i think i'm gonna raw dog it i think we didn't we don't have the luxury now, I guess you could maybe sacrifice the sixth running back, but I'd rather just play this as this team is just such an ultimate smash that we're able to sacrifice the the 20 points or whatever that we're going to lose in week okay. nine. That's good. I, I'm glad to know because I feel like you've, you've said before that that's the one onesie position that you'd be willing to take a third player just in case that lines up. But now we know where your, your lines go, and I think that's important for people out there to know. Like if Pete's doing something, try to keep that in mind as you're doing your drafts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I trust me, I do not want to make a habit out of it, but I'm not going to draft, like, I'm not going to sacrifice the structure in my other positions of weakness just to capture 20 points for that week. I'd rather just say, this is the super team, it blows it out of the water, and if not, then so be it. And I go to, it's one of my 149 bullets. But I do like Hayden Hurst here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Hayden Hurst, I think, like, there was a period where he was going entirely undrafted early in the preseason, then he was going too high, and now he's settled in at a range where, like, I think he's as good as, like, a play as Higby or Everett or those guys. Like, this could be the best year of Hurst's career, and it wouldn't be shocking. And the other thing for me, too, is, like, if we were to take a quarterback, like, I'd want to take Malik Willis, <laughs> you know, but mm -hmm. is Malik Willis going to be starting by week nine anyways? Probably not. Um Yeah. I want to get I, more picket down the home stretch. Yeah. Like I and we said that in the top part. And if you missed the early part of the stream, check it out. We talked about some of our deep sleepers, but like pickets looked really good in the preseason. And I was, you know, kind of afraid that he would come in and be gun shy or whatever. Um, after watching a lot of his college tape again, because of the USC guys uh, that have been recruited over from Pittsburgh. Uh, but like 
Pickett is looking like he's the best QB and like he would be the guy who makes that offense like sing in a way that they would yeah. not with Mitch Trubisky. And it just, it's really exciting. I think if you have Pickett and gotten some shares, well, it's exciting for the whole offense. I mean, yeah. Johnson, Claypool, Fryermuth, Pickens, like even, even Harris, man, because I was asked, I was talking about this on the radio show last night too, about my concerns with Najee Harris in the past to him being like a top overall running back. I mean, if that offense is really good, like that, that's his path. It's, they have so many red zone trips that he's just getting a ton of goal line carries. I mean, Pickett could make that offense incredibly fun. Yeah. And he has been in college with certainly a deep ball thrower. And it's weird. Cause like last year, I think we were all so excited about the rookie QBs and they all were disappointments to some level, I guess maybe besides Davis mills, but nobody was really touting him coming in that. I think people kind of got shell shocked by that. And this year it's like Pickett's been there and he was a good college thrower and had the little hands thing that made it easy to make fun of him and all that stuff. But like, he's as talented as anybody who was drafted last year for the most part, I would say. And like, I think there's a little bit of equity in grabbing some picket down the home stretch, especially because you can get those those Steeler stacks pretty cheap. Like take Johnson and Claypool at a discount and put them with Pickett in there. That's like a really nice stack. I mean, Pickett's also starting to get in that territory where if he is playing week one, like you can start to do two QB builds with Pickett, I yeah. think. I agree. I, I if, think he's got a lot of elite guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the Sam Howell's the one other rookie guy that we didn't talk about at all that like I've been intrigued by what I've seen from him. And if you are going to make a bet that the commanders completely fall apart, um, he's in play losing Matt Corral. Like, I don't think we were ever big Matt Corral guys, but that does kind of show the danger of like some of these rookie dudes where he didn't have a great pathway to playing. Then he gets hurt. And it's like, if you drafted Matt Corral at all, you, you sunk whatever percentage that would be. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll grab a running back here and then we can kind of finally talk through the running back versus QB three discussion. And I'm definitely still leaning toward a sixth running back in this build. I think yeah. we need, I think we need the firepower and yeah, by firepower, I, I mean fucking darts, <laughs> the firepower of Marlon Mack, Darrell Williams, Rojo, who might not even have a job in seven days. <laughs> we passed on TDP. So I do want to take sermon here. No, you wouldn't take Jeff Wilson as like the pure pass game back. I'm, I'm more now just with this team, just trying to swing for the biggest cut. And I do think sermons range of outcomes is, you know, still bigger than, okay. than Wilson's. I'm not going to get in your way of it, but so many bad camp reports about sermon and how he just looks like the worst running back by like a good margin. And it, it scared me enough and it made me feel better about how much TDP we, I think we both were drafting earlier on. Yeah, and Kyle brings up a good point that Jamichael Hasty's actually been kind of playing as the uh, the pass catching back. At least that's what their preseason. Uh, well, that's because Wilson's been indicated. out with personal stuff, though. Yeah, although that's how they. But Wilson, even when he did have his role, early, what was it two years ago, where he got a lot of, he was more operating as that early down running back, kind of in the in in the role that Eli Mitchell had. So hmm. I don't know. The, the whole offense is wide open. Like, so <laughs> sorry, he's, got, he's selling as like kind of the Naheem Hines, I think, like where he was like a pass game guy that gave him like yeah. the vulture and goal line work. I, I think Wilson's good, but he's not young. So I certainly get why you would want to go Sermon's way. Yeah. So, you know, the question now here is like, even if we did, because to make this work, we need a quarterback that we think can help us in the fantasy playoffs and also cover this by. And I just don't know if that, I guess, I guess Zach Wilson would be it. We, we took Carter. I think that if you did do the quarterback, we can wait on Zach Wilson's injury return 
to cover us, but it still feels like the condom play, considering this is a very true zero RB build where we need as many bullets as possible to kind of survive, survive the season with enough points to get us to the playoffs. I think we got a good, like the top four running backs, I think are pretty good floor running backs. We're like, those guys will be getting some amount of touches, whatever amount it'll be. We'll see. So like, I wouldn't mind skipping the running back and just making sure we get QB points, but I know the way you're thinking. So I'll it's, it's your, your entry. It's on your account. So you make the choice. It's really, I mean, Eno's like my favorite player. Yeah. Um, you know what? Eno's my favorite player. Nothing would bring me more joy than to topple the big bi-week industrial complex with a team making it super. I just, the amount of brains that would be broken uh, with a two quarterbacks with the save bye week, making it deep is just too much for me to pass up. And I do really feel like we need more uh, running back uh, options here. So we're going to go with the two seven seven two in torch our week nine scoring. It'll be funny when like we don't make it to the next round by eighteen points that Zach Wilson scores <laughs> week nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll be able to go back and and look at that as the uh, the kiss of death. <laughs> and then also like of course when the Jets Seattle game goes off in week 17 as we all know is going to happen and then he would have outscored Dak and Trey Lance boy you'll be ruined that day exactly exactly team, I, I, I like this build I think this is not the kind of teams we've been drafting on stream lately <laughs> where we're getting scooped by everybody doing zero RB builds and uh, this team lots of value strong team yeah uh, I, I like this team it's uh it's pretty fun. I was starting to wonder because Gallup slid. He ended up going one pick before us. I was wondering if we would have liked the two V2s on passing on Tolbert, but Tolbert had slid too. So I don't think there was anything wrong with that. The only part of the draft that really stung was that uh Burrow snipe. Because Burrow mm. would have set up pretty well to get Burrow along with Boyd. Then we would have had the big bills bring back in that game. And then we could have just played Dallas through a lamb Burks mini. That's, that's the only one that stung there. Yeah, I would agree. And yeah, getting the bye week back because of burrow and Lance being on different buys would have been nice, but look, I think this is a good team. Hopefully it shows you guys what you could be doing out there. If you play along with us on underdog, use the promo code splash. They'll double your deposit up to $100. Of course, a lot of entries still to go around in best ball mania. I think they, they released up another Pomeranian too, right? Another small, smaller attorney. Uh, yeah, they did. That's uh, I believe it's only fast drafts, uh, $3, uh, 15 max. Yeah. Yeah. 15 max 20 K to first. So a nice tournament to jump into for yourself on underdog right now. If you don't want to spend the big bucks on a best ball mania entry, but uh, make sure you follow at Peter Rovers at follow at Chris bags, follow at splash play pod, go over to the splash play YouTube channel because starting in week one of the NFL season, this channel, this show, everything we do on splash play will be over there. So go subscribe now, get in the hunt. And of course, check out that stuff. Uh, Pete schedule for you coming up here. Give it to the people one more time. Uh, what do I have? Go Oh, so tomorrow on uh club top shot, we're going to do a big NFL all day show. We're having the, uh, director of marketing, Dave Feldman from Dapper and all day. Come on. Uh, Gary Hartman from establish the run. Who's super into the collectible stuff. So yeah, excited. I'm starting to get excited about all day. Some of the moments there, this NFL season, it seems like it's going to be smooth, uh, is, is kind of what it's feeling like. So excited to check that out. And then yeah, I think I'm going to be doing, um, I'm going to find a time this week with Bime4 to do a draft. It's coming up on the year anniversary of our uh, Best Ball Mania team that we drafted last year. So you can keep an eye out for that as well. 
There you go. Lots of great stuff coming up here. Pete and I will be back on Thursday. Of course, do another show together. So come check that out. But follow at Splash Play Pod. Follow at Peter Overset. Follow at Chris Spags. We'll see you guys in a few days. Enjoy your weeks. Good luck. Bye. 